this morning. A little bit different uh, message because I don't get to preach the whole time. Uh, does everybody know um, Matt O'Neill? Shout or clap if you know Matt O'Neill. All right. <clears throat> Come on. You can get better than that. <laughs> right? Louder, louder. All right. Whoa, whoa, Good. whoa. God, I, got, I got to feel welcome here this morning. Well, so. uh, change your plans. Now you're going to sit down. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> a little um, humble pie. For those of you that don't uh, know Matt, um, he, uh, tell him a little bit about uh, what you and your wife do and uh, how long you've been at this church and things like that. Uh, we have been at this church for, I think, for 10 years now, and uh, we're therapists here in Kearney, and we own a clin- or, uh, two clinics, and um, yeah, we just heal people, so that's what we get to do. Excellent. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to start off and bring everybody on the same page. We are in, uh, if, you're, if this is your first time here, or, or if you've missed most of, the, of this series, we're in a series called Light into Darkness, and um, the main thought over the last couple of weeks has been this. Darkness will be expelled in your world to the extent that you shine your light. It is impossible for darkness to be where light is. And I like this, light always wins. Don't you, don't you agree? I mean, you, you, flip on a, you flip on a light switch and, and there's no debate, right? The, the darkness has to go. It's the same thing with you and I. As you walk into a, to an environment, whether it be your family, whether it be a family reunion, right? Try it sometime at a family reunion, you know, or, or wherever you may be, Walmart, as, as you let your light shine, darkness just has no choice but to go. And, and so uh, the, the scripture, Matthew chapter 5, I think they're going to show it up on the screen, uh, starting in verse 14, it says this, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. And I like this, let your light shine, so, uh, so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I, I like that verse because there's, it, it tells you that you have the ability to either let the light shine or not let the light shine. There's a, there's a personal responsibility on you and me to actually show up and decide to shine or not. Um, that, that whole passage comes from a, a place in Scripture in Matthew chapter 5 called the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, it was really Christianity 101. I, it, Jesus was teaching his, his first major sermon to all, those, all his followers. And this was uh, basic Christianity, uh, it, the, the starting place. And a lot of times we, we read this and we think, oh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, that that's like for the, the really mature Christians. But in Jesus' mind, this was like, this was like baseline. This, was, this brings you up to zero, right? This was, the, this was Christianity 101. And we start to see that even letting our light shine and showing up in, in love for, for our friends and for those in the world, like that's just basic Christianity. And we, we also saw, last week I, showed, I shared with you, um, that Jesus recruited his first disciples in Matthew chapter 4, Right? And then in Matthew 7, he says, he says, hey, beware of the wolves. In other words, beware of all the false teachers. You guys aren't, are, you know, your mindsets haven't quite shifted yet. Stay close to me. Beware of, of all the false teachers out there. And then a few chapters later, which we discussed was probably about a year and a half later, Jesus says, now I'm sending you out among the wolves. And it was this whole deal that we started to see that Jesus was training up uh, disciples to now go and do what he did. 
How many know that, that that's where we want to be? That we want to eventually do and act and say and, and all, just like Jesus did, right? Just like Jesus did. And so the first week of this series, Pastor Bo brilliantly, ta- brilliantly talked about the darkness within us. That the starting place is, Lord, deal with my junk first. And then I came last week and talked about the darkness around us. And, and talk, you remember the story, Jesus in the boat with the, with the winds and the waves. And uh, I looked at Jesus and, and the way he uh, responded in that situation of darkness. And, and there were two thoughts that came out. Jesus, he slept in the storm or he spoke to the storm. And I challenged all of us that, that when the darkness comes, that we, either, that we either can sleep through it or we can speak to it. I love that story of the, of the revivalist, and, and I, I forget his name. It might have been Smith Wigglesworth. And he, it, it, he tells a story of waking up one night, and the, the devil was sitting at the foot of his bed, and he looked at him, and he's like, oh, it's just you, and he went back to sleep. Right? Right, and, and, and there's things like this where we just get, we get so overwhelmed by the, the fear and the darkness. And really, when you, when you look and you see, there's something bigger standing behind that darkness. So, um, it's, so I'm excited. I'm excited about today. Um, today's message is the darkness out there. And I don't have to preach as much. That, I'm really excited about that. So are we. <laughs> so are you <laughs> By the way, we're friends, and uh, if you, I know that it sounds like um, he doesn't like me some of the time, but we, but we are. Here's the, main, here's the main thought today. People are never really the problem. The devil is. Therefore, our job is to love people and battle the works of the devil. So let me give you a few scriptures to set this whole thing up, and then I'm gonna, I want to interview my friend Matt and let you guys uh, hear some of this play out practically um, in his life, and then hopefully we can take some stuff and, and let it apply to our lives. So here's some, here's some verses. I, I love this verse in 1 John 3, 8. Um, the second half of this verse says this, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. That probably deserves a clap right there, right? The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. I love that. And, and, uh, and then in Ephesians 6.12, Paul talking and, and really sharing the heart of God, he says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Say flesh and blood. Flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Uh, poke your wife and say, you're flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I love the perspective that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, and and then our assignment is the same. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We carry on the same assignment Jesus has to destroy the works of the devil. And you see that played out in Matthew 16, verse 23. Jesus turns to Peter, and I don't recommend um, kids, young people, I don't recommend you saying this to your mom. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. I I said that once to my mom. (laughs) Once. He says, you are a hindrance to me, for you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Was Jesus talking to to Peter? Or do you think that he might have been talking to Satan? Right? It, it, people are never the problem. It, it's always the spirit behind it. It's always the devil. The devil hates your guts and has a horrible plan for your life. 
And I just have a, an, an inkling that Jesus looked at Peter and he looked right through and past Peter and saw the works of the devil that was trying to disrupt um, his mission and his plans. And he says, get behind me, Satan. Uh, we know Peter wasn't Satan. And then we go on, Matthew chapter 5. And we start to bring this whole thing home and start to see why I have Matt sitting here with me today. It says this, Jesus talking, you've heard it. You've heard that it was said, you, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. How many say easier said than done? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you? He goes on, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not the Gentiles do the same? He's like, you don't get any extra brownie points for just loving those that are easy to love. He's like, actually, in, in my kingdom, you, you score points when you love those that are hard to love. In fact, you love those that hate you or persecute you. And then lastly, this verse that we already read. This is the week that we start to actually put this into practice. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Let your light shine so, uh, so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And that's what we want to see. Uh, uh, Matt, Matt has um, had an, an interesting, um, uh, I don't know, uh, outreach ministry you say, well, I thought you work at Alpha, and, and he called himself a therapist. He didn't tell you what he was a therapist for. You don't mess with people's minds, right? No, you don't have like a couch and people sit. No, no. He, actually, he, work, he works on their bodies. He does physical therapy. But I love the example that he sets for all of us because most of you in this room um, aren't like professional Christians where you get paid by the church, right? Most of you in this room work someplace, do something, and he's showing all of us in this room that no matter what you do, that you can actually um, have a ministry and, and serve God um, and show up where, where God wants you to show up. And, uh, and so I want, we're gonna, I'm going to ask him a bunch of questions, but um, man, exciting today of what Matt's been able to do. And um, let me just see here. So first of all... Uh, You've, you've been going to corn concerts. That's what I heard. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, got to use the microphone. <laughs> yes. Um, <clears throat> that, that, is it, do you just go just uh, for the fun of it? Is that? Yeah, because mosh pitching, <laughs> getting in the mosh pit is a lot of fun when you're oh, my, my age. You my know, my goodness. Bumps and bruises. <laughs> you're the old man now. You know? I, heard, I heard you, you told me uh, recently watching one of these guys uh, doing head banging. Do, I don't know if you know what head banging is, but... It, it, Anyways, you, yes. you, said, you said that they will always keep you in, in, right. with a job. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When you see the crowd and when you see the people, you know, I, I, their necks are jacked up, their backs are jacked up, and, you know, that's what I get to do is fix them. So, so yeah, you'll always have always. a job as long as there's heavy metal As music. long as there's heavy metal. You know, that's what we're, gun <laughs> that's what we're gunning for, yeah. Oh, man. Well, uh, we, uh, I want to I start off this time. I think they have a video, and I want, I want them to see this video, and then I want us to, like, and rewind all the way back to the beginning. Okay. Does that sound good? Yeah, and when you watch the video, listen. Uh, it's with Robbie Dawkins. Um, if you don't know him, uh, watch the G all the uh, Holy Ghost films and those sort of things, and you'll see Robbie throughout those. Uh, but listen to what he says to this guy at the end. Um, it's, it's hugely important, so... 
Go for it. All pain, get out now. Vertebrae line up. Muscles relax. Nerves be loose. Be healed for the glory of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, my brother, now check your back. Okay, let me check your back. You can feel it, can't you? Can you feel that? It's all right. Go ahead. He's all over you. Holy Spirit's all over you. Right now. Give me a number. Where are you at right now, man? See that? Wow. <laughs> Come on. That's how this Now, don't be nice. If you were so at a 10 and paid before, zero is no pain, my friend. I can't get pain. Where are you at now? Don't be nice. Tell us. I'm being nice. I just touched my toes for the first time. I really don't. Do you have any pain? Do you have any pain? Don't be nice. Tell us. Yeah. So. Jesus just used you to heal his back. No matter what you believe, no matter what you feel. And in doing that, he showed you how he wants to use you the rest of your life. And doing that for people. And he just demonstrated that to all of you. Guys, this is real. Hey, just, so, re just real quick, those weren't, those weren't really short people. Yeah, exactly. It looks better on my phone. Um, all right, so the big man, and we'll get to this later, the big man just got his back healed. Then he said, this other guy that just, that, that leaned over, jumps up, says, if it's real for him, then it's got to be real for me. I broke my back eight years at a corn concert. I got herniated discs. I had a broken back. I haven't been able to touch past my knees in eight years. So when he, and so what Robbie does, he grabs the big man that just got his back healed. Doesn't give him this quiz about, are you saved? Are you anything? He says, get over here. You put your hand on him. And what he says at the end, does not matter what you think, does not matter what you feel. God just demonstrated his power and has shown you what you should do for the rest of your life. What we all should do for the rest of our lives. Hugely important. So when this guy goes down and when he comes back up, I mean, he's freaking out because he hasn't touched his toes in, in, in eight years. You were standing right there. I was standing. I was right there. I'm, I'm watching. I'm skeptic, man. I'm like, all right, I'm going to see if this is real or not. I'm watching this, and we're going to hear his, his actual testimony later. But he goes down, and he touches his toes for the first time in eight years, no pain, no nothing. And none of us super Christians, if you will, laid a hand on him. Some random guy put his hand on him and just said some simple words, basically saying, Jesus, you did something for me, do something for him. So I want us to, to rewind all the way back to the beginning. And and, and really set the tone here, because for some people in here don't know who Brian Head Welch is, um, and some people who do question, you know, what is a, a, who is this guy, how can he be a Christian and, and serve and, uh, or uh, still be a part of this, this group called Corn? that's obvious, are they, they're a Christian band? No. No, no, no they don't. No. They don't sing, they don't like lead worship someplace. No kumbaya. No, no, nothing of that. So could you just would you just share a little bit? Because first I want you I want them to hear who, who Brian is, and then I want to, to hear some of the story of how you of how you met him and all those things. All right. Uh, ten years ago, Brian was a meth head. Eleven years ago, Brian was a major meth head, uh, functioning meth head. They actually all were. And um, but God rocked him. God came into his house and literally just had a Holy Ghost experience and just 
completely messed him up. He ends up quitting the band. The, the, the ironic part is within, the, within a couple months, that was the same time that um, my wife and I went through our first God encounter, and we got saved and transformed and rocked as well. So we kind of have this parallel story, him and I. I was not a meth head, but I was still running. You know, I was still uh, not following along with him and just kind of battling against that. So we got saved roughly or uh, transformed at roughly the same time. We started walking this path, and uh, five years ago, I had this dream of, um, what if we could do like have like ministers or, or like go out with rock bands and like go to these places and minister to the darkest place? Because I knew that if we could take you guys to the darkest place in, that I could imagine, then going to Walmart's easy. Going to your work is easy because you've seen the darkest place imaginable. You have felt the darkest place imaginable. And yes, on earth there are even darker places than these concerts that we've been to. There's other people in our uh, congregation here that have gone to those places and they've seen those things. Um, but that was the concept. And then uh, four years ago, uh, we brought Brian head in, uh, or Brian in with his band because he had quit corn and uh, got saved, got cleaned up, uh, was raising his daughter, and he came in here. And he was here, and he was basically saying, I'm done with this. I'm done playing music. I'm done uh, dealing with Christians because the people that were supposed to rally around him and support him, bring him up, were the ones that were messing him over, the ones that were breaking his contracts, the ones that were just uh, dogging on him. And he came here to Kearney, Nebraska, and he says, I'm done. And he flies in. I hand him his check and said, here, now that we don't have to worry about your money anymore, let's talk about what you're really doing here. And we did a free show up at UNK. There was uh, 800 or close to people there. Uh, people came up on stage when they got saved. We had a guy that got saved, uh, or, or his life was spared because of that concert. Uh, he didn't kill himself. I mean, the testimonies that came out of that were incredible. And it cemented what, what Brian and I were, were seeking after, what he was seeking after, and what I was seeking after. It rejuvenated his ability and his desire to, to teach and to preach and to, to carry on. And uh, him and I formed a relationship because of the prophetic words that I was able to speak over him. And, uh, and I actually prophesied to him that he was gonna be, something amazing was going to happen in Europe uh, that, that next summer. Well, that's when he rejoined Corn. And it was this whole reconciliation piece. And if you want to look at the reconciliation, see the long story, YouTube it. It'll blow your mind. Because you have these guys that, that are supposed to be these hard, and they're just crazy and rock stars. And you can see the softening in them. They're all clean. They're all sober now. They all have families. Um, the bass player got saved. And God said, rejoin corn. Because where two or more are gathered, I'm there. So on head side of the stage, it's him playing here and the bass player's playing here. So you have two people, and then you have their guitar tech, and you have their lighting guy that are Christians as well. You have four people now that are touring this thing. You have the, the, you have the lead singer's sons go to the Christian school where, his, where Head and Fielder got saved. And he goes, ah, they cuss like sailors, except for there. When they walk in there, they're, they're getting taught. They're getting educated. So, the Christian so values. Tell me, I mean, I'm just Sorry. playing on the other side. Um, how can somebody be a Christian and, and then be in, in a band like Korn? The simple answer to that is um, unless you're hired by a church as a pastor, I guarantee you where you work is not a Christian company for the vast majority of us. People swear there. They tell bad jokes. They do things like that. They all have their problems. And yet you go there every day and you get paid. This is literally their job. And so what happens, the worst thing that's being done on stage is they're dropping the F-bomb over and over and over and over and over again. But that's the worst thing that's happening that's during these shows. 
And so what he's not focusing on is, or I guess when he went back, before he went back, they have a whole slew of songs that we would never even think about playing anywhere. And, he's, and Brian said, I will come back, but I will never play any of these songs. Songs that, that he helped write, I'll never play any of these. And they said, okay, cool, we'll play these other ones. So they, they respected his boundaries uh, that he set wow. up. Wow. And I would never think, and, and Bo talked about it, um, a couple weeks ago, but I would never think that I could find the Holy Spirit at a corn show. And yet the first time that I came back with him, right after he joined with them, um, I prophesied over the guys before they came on stage. I, I, I did their prayer before they walked out and started playing. And uh, we were in the desert, and it was all about God rain down on this place, come down on this place, rain down on this place. Literally, they step out on stage and it started raining. And it rained their entire set. Wow. Just pour, And we're in the desert. And it's like... Holy cow! They actually it actually washed out part of the interstate, um, and they had, they shut down the interstate for hours uh, because of the amount of rain that had come during that moment. And wow. I'm sitting here worshiping God at this corn concert, and it blew my mind. So then I took my dad, who's a really nice pastor, he's a really good guy, Santa Claus, right? And I took him to a corn concert in Colorado. And standing there on the on the street corner, is this lady talking to my dad, saying. Four years ago or three years ago, I was at a corn concert or a, a Brian concert in Kearney, uh, Nebraska. She goes, I was a drug addict. I was homeless. I was at the homeless shelter. I tried to kill myself by cutting myself, slit my wrist, but I couldn't find a knife sharp enough to, to even dent my skin. She goes, but at there I got saved. I got cleaned up. And now I'm out here in Denver and I'm, I'm, I'm bringing friends to Christ. I'm, I'm encouraging people. I'm working, wow. blah, blah, blah. Wow. And dad goes, hey, do you remember that guy with the red mohawk standing on stage? She goes, yeah. He points at me. He goes, that's him right there. Three years later, we're standing on a street corner in Denver, Colorado. And one of the people that we touched, we had no idea was even there, is standing here in front of us saying, look, look what the fruit came from that wow. place. Three years later. That's crazy. That's God. Now, do we have a picture of Brian? So some people are like, because they... Uh, yeah. Let's, let's, let's show them that. Some people maybe don't. Yeah, so that's Brian. Not the bald guy. That's Robbie Dawkins. Uh, Brian is obviously the dread-headed uh, guy there. Does he, does he wash those? I would assume so. Okay, I'm just, making, I'm just making sure. I, I've never asked him, <laughs> uh, and I've never watched him shower. So, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those things. You don't moving, cross, right? Moving right along. Moving along. But, um, you know, he's tattooed from head to toe. Because what he said was, I will always look harder than every single person that I come in contact with. There will be nobody that looks freakier than me. Because he's going to the darkest people, he's going to the darkest places and sharing the love of Christ. So really, if we were to have points today, the first point here is love well. Okay? And I want to I just know, how did your friendship with Brian grow? Um, you know, he showed up here in Kearney. You talked a little bit about, about getting the money talk out of the way. You handed him a check, and then you guys just had time together. And from there, um, talk about how you and Brian became friends. Uh, the biggest part was if God gives me a word about anyone for anything at any time, I give it. When he tells me to give it, and exactly word for word, image for image on how he does it. So what would happen over the course of the last three years was I'd have a dream. and I'd wake up in the middle of the night, I'd type out my dream, and the next day I'd send it to him. Or I'd get, you know, a, a visions throughout the day, or I'd be praying for him and something would happen about his daughter. And I just kept feeding him. I didn't ask for anything. I just kept blessing him. I started coming up with ideas where corn could make more money and where I could bless his business. Because that's what I do with my friends. I bless their businesses. If, I got, if you're my friend and I got an idea about you, I'm going to shoot you that email hoping that God blesses you. Um, I don't ask where you're at. I ask that God blesses you. 
And, uh, and that's what I did. I just started doing that. And by doing that, him and I were able to gain a level of trust because I wasn't asking for anything. So what was, because in the midst of all this, you had, you've had a dream to be ministering in the heavy metal scene or the new metal. I don't, I don't know that yeah. music very yeah. well. And uh, so you've had, the, you've had that dream. And then, um, but then now you're, you finally get to uh, meet Brian and start to minister with him. How did you, uh, I mean, was there a tension there between you're stoked about your dream starting to come and then also trying to honor him and not have your own agenda? And, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, the first time that we did it in Omaha, um, he, he basically stands up and says, if anyone needs healing, talk to Matt. I was like, oh, crud. <laughs> that is not my gifting. That, I mean, yes, I, I have prayed for people and they've been healed. I've been healed myself. Um, but that's not my gifting area. And, and so then the second time when we're out in Denver, he, he asked me, I was like, all right, what do you want me to say? Because that's a level of authority thing, right? I'm, I'm coming underneath his covering at that point. And so then we were able to talk more. You know, this is my gifting. This is what I do. Awesome. Cool. Let's so do that. So now what's he call you? Uh, the seer. Yeah. So so he uses all he, the all these people at the concert come up, you know, to to them afterwards, and they and they have this time of, of where he shares his testimony, and and people get saved, and he and then he refers to his friend Matt as the seer. I love it. Yeah. Because terms don't matter, right? If you would have said, "This is my prophetic friend Matt," blah 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 blah, uh, people switch off instantly. They understand the word seer. They understand that type of that language. So yeah, I'm I'm his seer. So. Um, when you give words exactly how God tells you, exactly when he tells you to give them, they're accurate every single time. I've, I haven't missed, is what I told him. I haven't missed once because I don't alter anything. I don't put it through my filter. I just say it. And so throughout the concert or throughout the, this week and stuff, he'd always come up and say, all right, so-and-so, let's go. Get a word for so-and-so, let's go. And it's real simple. I guess we're, we do simple later. All right. So um, l- love well. He's not out there judging people. He's, we're not out there saying, you got to get saved. That is part of his message. But he, but he comes in and he says, this is my life. This is Jesus. This is not religion because religion is horrible. Religion will beat you down. Religion has beaten everyone down that's at that show. That's almost why they're probably at that show is because they've had some interaction with the church and the church has, has, has just messed them over. The big man got, that got healed in his back the first mm-hmm. time, yeah. I was talking to him afterwards. He goes, yeah, he goes, I got a buddy. He keeps inviting me to church, but, but church just kept, you know, he goes, I've always been, been screwed over by people at church. They're always just doing all this stuff, right? And he goes, but then I come here, and, 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 and God heals my back. This Jesus heals my back. And then and he's freaking, he's crying. I said, yeah. I said, because the problem is you put your faith in a church. You put your faith in a building. You put your faith in a denomination, I said, Jesus wants a relationship, and he doesn't care if you go to church because he'll follow you to a corn concert. He'll use you in the place where you are, and he's just wrecked. And he goes, yeah, he goes, man, he goes, because I'm going to get my son. He goes, we're going to start, I'm going to talk to my friend, and I said, we're going to start going to that church. We're going to start going there because of that love that just was just overflowing from Brian. So in, in this topic of, of love well, that's really what we're, you're, you're asking everybody to, to get is, is, is that wherever they show up in life to love well. In, in, in that, what was your experience as you start, started first going to some of these shows that, um, I mean, you, you obviously saw people that were scary looking. Um, there was, there was a darkness and sin all around. How did you love well? Um, my thing is I ask God to, to give me images and I say, show me what you, how you see people. 
I don't want to see, I don't want to see, when I look around and I see all you guys, I don't want to see what I see. I want to see what you see. Because he's the one that created them. He has a purpose in their life. I want to see what you see. And so that's what I, that's what I seek out, is I'm seeking that, that, that peace out. Um, because I've never seen anything negative. Um, I've only seen good, amazing, incredible things. And when you release that into people and you speak that into people, it freaks them out. It rocks them because everything they hear throughout their entire lives is so negative and how horrible they are and how they don't look right and they don't sound right and they yada, yada, yada from everyone in their life. And then when Jesus comes in and says, no, man, you're perfect. You're an angel. You're this, you're that. And, and he begins to speak to that. That blows things down. So we've talked in here before, um, and I've shared the, the kind of the phrase compassion without compromise. How does how does you, as just a, a minister of the gospel, go into these places and have just complete compassion, but at the same time, um, you know, no compromise? Uh, for me, the compromise would be: Do I engage in what they're dealing with? And I don't. I'm not going to go out there, and I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to do drugs. I'm not going to whatever might be going on out there. I'm not going to engage in that process. I'm going to love them with where they are because that's where Jesus meets them is right where they are. And so when I see people that um, are, we, we had this guy at, um, uh, at the show in Omaha that we were all at. You want to show the next picture too, by the way? This is the other picture. In Omaha, what we did was we brought seven pastors. Uh, Jonathan's not in that because he had to go get my truck. There's Grandpa, Dad. That's my dad, Santa Claus, up there. And you got two pastors over here, a couple, married couple from Shadron. You got Bo, me, uh, and then uh, uh, Pablo. Pablo from Grand Island, and then Drew from uh, Grace. So we had seven pastors walking around this concert doing a treasure hunt. And so, and, and then, of course, Brian. Can right? I just say I had a headache? <laughs> Jonathan was not doing well um, <laughs> at that show. Um, and having extremely loud music was not helping the situation at all. Um... <laughs> But I, I, I guess I forgot, you know, but it, it's just loving people and going around, not engaging with the fact that they're alcoholics or this or that. The last guy that we had there that we were praying for um, was an ex-Marine, and he was just trashed. I mean, his handlers, his guys were like <laughs> kind of holding him back because he was the heckler. He was that guy. Uh, um, oh, yeah, sorry. When we go to concerts, what we do is we have 40 wristbands um, of whatever color, and we say, Jesus, who do, who's your treasure tonight? Who is willing uh, to accept you tonight? Who, is, who do you want to impact tonight? Who's ready tonight? And we go around and we find those people. And um, for the Omaha show and for this entire week, I had pages and pages from people from his parents down in Trinidad to um, Bo's brother up in Michigan which we'll see later, um, and other, other text messages. I was constantly getting text messages. People in this church. People in this church, absolutely. Constantly getting text messages and uh, that sort of thing saying, this is the treasure tonight. This is the treasure tonight. This is the... So it wasn't just me walk, or any of us walking around randomly grabbing people. We were, we were hunting uh, for those people. The last guy was just trash out of his mind, ex-Marine. And um, it is actually uh, Bruce. I don't, yeah, Bruce is here. Before we left, I said, Bruce, I said, give me a list. Hear anything, give it to me. The last thing that he talked about was resetting the clock. And we're, we start praying for this guy. And I just talk about God's going to reset your clock. And, and I didn't remember what Bruce had written, but I'm, I'm praying this over this guy. And he's just freaking out, just bawling. Because he had killed so many people during war. And he couldn't sleep. He couldn't deal with himself. He was struggling so deeply. And that's why he was drinking, was to try to cover up some of those feelings and try to sleep and stuff. And we were, we were praying for him. You could just see everything just washing off of him, resetting, and just, just pulling through his life. And his friends were freaking out because of the transformation that they could see within, right in front of them. 
And it was wow. just that love. It was just love just conquered everything. And so... And I liked, too, when I was there, as far as the compassion without compromise, uh, when all the, those 40 people come at the end of the concert mm-hmm. and Brian was there um, to share his story, like, he clearly shared the gospel. Oh, very much. I yeah. mean, it wasn't like on all roads lead to heaven. No. I mean, it was like, we love you right where you're at. But, I mean, he talked about the cross he talked about the power of the Holy Spirit. He talked about right? I mean, yeah. laying hands on people, prophecy. But he talked about, you know, the only way is Jesus. Yeah. Like there was no, there was no uh, you know, nine ways to, to God. No, and if you want what he's got, be brave enough to try it. You've tried everything else. Why don't you try Jesus? And then he leads them in, in, in that prayer uh, to accept Christ. And, uh, and the vast majority, you know, we had 40 to 50 people every night. So uh, on this tour, there were uh, five nights that we had shows. There's 40 to 50 people every single time. When was the last time that we were able to go around and in a week watch 200 people get saved? And that's what this guy does every single night of every wow. single show that they do. And then on off days, we go and we walk around the mall, which we'll talk about here in a bit. So if we were to have a second point today, um, it would be search for gold. Um, it would be really easy at first glance to see evil and to see sin in these environments. How do you um, overcome uh, all of that to be able to actually uh, see what God's wanting you to see? Uh, ask, right? Real simple. Ask. Um, the, the second part of that is, um, is asking for his love. Uh, for me, overcome, part of that overcoming was surrounding yourself. You can't do this alone. Um, the days that I was alone out on the, out on the co- uh, concert and I'm trying to walk through the crowd and figure out what's going on and what I'm doing, I'm freaking out. I'm, I'm, I'm literally going crazy because it's, it's very scary. It's a very intimidating environment. And so what I do is I start texting people and say, give me your treasure, give me your treasure. I need something now, immediately. And one of them was Jonathan and, you know, he's like, oh, I don't feel good and I don't have very much time. I got to do this thing. Close his eyes for 30 seconds, get something sends it to me, and literally I look up, and the, the lady's standing right in front of me. You know, I, that's how I got through it, you know. I think um, the miracle was God speaking through my sinus infection. Absolutely, that yes, was, yes, Dis, despite you. <laughs> um, we, we, we talk about light. When you, when you, when you flip on a switch, um, light dispels darkness, right? But we were talking about it this last week or, or the week before that I, I think that's a wrong idea because what it means is that when I turn on a light, this darkness literally moves over here. But that's not even reality. When you flip on a switch, the, the darkness literally goes away. It disappears. It doesn't just get a move over there. Now, demons and that sort of thing, yes, we can say that they're eternal and, and they're going to shift and they're going to leave the environment. But when we talk about darkness, it, it leaves. So when you show up to these people and Brian starts talking... There's literally no darkness in the room. You can feel the difference. The moment he starts talking, the moment he starts preaching and sharing the love of Jesus, there's no darkness in the room. Certain things are trying to scream at him and get his attention, but the more he talks about love, you can just, everything just, it's gone. It it's, ceases yeah, to exist. I think I was, I was amazed when I was there at the Omaha show, just that it was almost like we were having church right in the midst uh, of right after a corn concert and all these people that came for a concert and then left booger crying right afterwards. I mean, uh, Bo was praying for um, a couple and their lives were totally transformed. I'm just sitting here in awe 
of the fact that, like, we call them Jehovah Sneaky, right? Like, like they had no clue that, they were, that their lives were going to get changed um, at a corn concert. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's the thing. The, and, and we're going to tell more stories and show more, show more pictures here. Do we have more pictures right now? Oh, yeah. No, we, uh, we, got, we got more pictures coming up. But we'll get into all the stories and the pictures and the videos and, and that sort of thing so you can see the people that were transformed. Um, well, I think, too, <laughs> is that the, the darkness... And all of that is a reality. I mean, it really is. But there's a bigger reality. That, I mean, last week I talked about how the, the, uh, Elisha and his servant and how the servant saw the, 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 the army surrounding the camp and he was afraid. And then Elisha says, oh, praise, oh, Lord, open his eyes. And he saw the army of God surrounding the army that was going to overtake them. And isn't that kind of the same thing? Like in these places you see the darkness, but there's like a bigger reality behind that. Absolutely. And, and like you shared at the beginning of, you know, our battle is not against the people that are standing there. It, it's, it's against the evil spirits. It's against Satan. It's against that type of stuff that's going on. Um, my my uh, aunt had a, a dream about how these people were in the concert and there's this glass wall between them and she couldn't get to them and she was all frustrated and stuff. And when she said that, instantly what I heard was, oh yeah, it's a glass wall because it's fake. Satan puts up these walls to make you think that you can't get through. To be like, oh, there's a wall there. I, you know. But what I saw was the moment an ounce, a little pebble of Jesus' love touched that wall, it shatters. It's a fake wall. Nobody puts a glass wall around their, their encampment, right? That's the dumbest thing you could ever do. It's fake. So we're not battling against these people. Just like when we got to Walmart, when we go into our jobs, the, the battle is not the person that's in, in front of us. The battle's not against the person that's talking about us at the um, um, bat at work or that sort of thing. That's not the issue. The issue is the person that, the influence that they have behind them. So what, is, uh, what does God see when he looks at some of these people? You have a couple pictures, um, and, uh, but tell me a little bit of these, of these stories here. Okay. This, oh. There's a pastor. <laughs> Search for gold. This is the fun one, okay? So on the, we, we got to spend a, a couple days with Robbie Dawkins. Uh, and if you don't know him, uh, he, he's and is on Facebook today of the testimony of, you know, he's raised somebody from the dead. Um, uh, he's seen all these miracles all over the world, all this crazy stuff. And I'm telling him and his wife the story about uh, Mima pennies, which was my mom. We find pennies in just the coolest places ever. Whenever God wants to kind of get, get my attention and say, man, I love you. Things are going on. Something's going to happen. We'll look down and there's a penny there. My dad will be preaching and like pennies will like show up between his feet and stuff. So I'm walking through this crowd going, oh Lord, who do I find? I'm so freaked out. There's 5,000 people here. And I find this and, and, I, and I look down. You can't count them right now, but there's seven pennies around this guy. In the middle of this whole floor, there's, this guy is sur- literally surrounded by seven pennies. And I'm like, okay, here we go. And so we started, you know, and I invite them back, and all three, all three of them, that's his niece and nephew, they just get rocked. Just, I mean, they're, again, that booger crying thing, right? It's so yeah. cool. Um, what was really cool is last week I was then talking to this lady from Florida, this prophetic lady, and she starts describing this person at, at one of the shows literally this night. She tells me the date, and she starts describing her. It's that girl. So that night or that day, this lady that was at a conference in Grand Island got an image or somewhere, got an image of this girl on this night in this town, and it was her. Wow. Crazy stuff, right? Tell me about, uh, tell everyone about that, that pastor couple that you met on, on the road. Yeah, oh yeah, so searching for gold. Um, that's what we're going on, mm-hmm. right? Search yeah. for gold. Um, it was the last, last day of the show, 
And uh, what happened was when uh, Brian's daughter uh, has some, some issues, you can read his new book and, and, and talk about that. She was cutting herself and stuff, um, really having a hard time uh, with life. And she, so she ends up at this group home in Indiana, and this, this pastor couple um, is there. And um, when Brian rejoined Corn, the, the head of their denomination came to them and said, you either kick his daughter out and you break all ties with him or you are no longer pastors. We will remove your, your credentials from you. They said, we can't do this. We got to love. We're, we're here to love. What are you doing? You know, but because Brian looked different, because of Corn said some F-bombs on stage, they literally removed these people's credentials and crushed them and went after them and attacked them. And so I didn't know any of this stuff at all. I had never met these people. Brian comes in and says, hey, get a word for these people. I need you. I'm not going to tell you anything about them, but here's their names, Travis and Tiffany. Go get them. Awesome, cool. So I just start, God, what do you want me to see? And I start speaking over them, and it just nails them, just, just nails exactly who they're designed to be and everything. And I got a text message from them later, and um, a couple days later, and she says, that was the first word in years that Travis had accepted as, 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 as positive. He'd been so hardened by the church, but literally backstage at a heavy metal concert, he gets a word from God, and it transforms his life. She says, at that moment, he started transforming, and she could see it. You're finding gold. And our pastors, the people that, that we should be uh, circling around and, and elevating, or not even elevating, but just, just protecting, those are the ones that we're tearing down. Those are the ones that we're going after. And you wow. hear stories after story of that. Here, here's another... Uh... That's oh, and then the Make-A-Wish, yeah. searching for gold. We, uh, at the last show, we had some Make-A-Wish uh, uh, people there. One was a 10-year-old kid. He had six months to live because he had a brain tumor. And uh, Reese was his name. And so he's meeting all the bands and stuff like that, and Brian goes, pray for him. <laughs> oh, man, this kid's going to die, right? So I, I, I kneel down in front of him, and when I knelt down in front of him, it was the instant image was that I was kneeling at the, at the throne of royalty, and I just started weeping. And I was like, <laughs> I couldn't hold it in. And I started just speaking out what I was seeing about how this kid is going to break out of this thing. He's, this, you know, this amazing, you know, uh, uh, it was like a flower and all this kind of stuff. And he had all these amazing gifts and all these amazing things. That he's going to break out of this. I didn't pray that he would be healed because I wasn't seeing that. What I saw was the throne that he was sitting on in heaven. And it broke my stinking heart. It just, it, I was like, Why? And then I talked to his grandma afterwards. And again, re remember, we're at a heavy metal show where there's Satanists up on stage singing uh, at the moment that we're sitting here talking. And she says, Reese's mom is a meth head. She was a meth addict. And she got, he got removed from the family. Then they found the tumor and the kid's dying. And, but what Reese says, he's blind. He can hardly hear and he's in a wheelchair. He's got six months to live. And he says, I know the reason why this is happening. The reason was because his mom got clean because of him. So that he could be, she could be a parent to his other siblings. You have this 10-year-old kid with an eternal perspective. And I'm praying over and prophesying over this kid about their, his spiritual reality. And the whole family's getting nailed. The whole family's going, yes, yes, yes. We believe that. We go after that. We accept that. So that his mom could get clean. So that she could be a mom. It was incredible. Incredible. The gold that we find in people. What about uh, that couple right there? Oh, yeah. So you want to pull up the next picture here? So I don't know these people. They were not my treasure. They were, I think they are Robbie Dawkins' treasure. And um, 
I'm talking to them after and say, you know, what do you think? What do you feel? Blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, are you guys married? And they go, no, no, we're not married. We met in church. We're just dating right now. Oh, okay. So then I pull out my phone. I'm showing them. I'm like, yeah, here's, here's the, what we're doing. We're going treasure hunting. Here's my text messages. Let's see if we can find you. And this is what came up. This was, I, this was literally emailed or texted to me three days before. Uh, tall and large male with blue jeans, uh, dark blue shirt is a black shirt. Overweight, <laughs> I, I, that was, I said sorry about that one. Um, lighter hair, well, his hair is gray. Yeah, he did have uh, hiking boots on or work boots on. Looking for love, relationship, and his future wife. So I start, they start seeing it. It's nailing what he looks like. Needs a relationship with God first, and that's where he can and will make a connection with his future wife. They're dating. They've been dating for three months. And I, I'm like, oh, hey, dude, you need a relationship with Christ. And he's like, yes, absolutely. We met at church. He's like, this is right on. At a corn concert, God's prophesying to these people and, and revealing himself that, listen, you're, you're on your way, but you need me first. You need me first. At a corn concert. It was just, just awesome. And again, they weren't my treasure. They just happened to be on my text message. Um, what's the next picture here? Do I have another picture? Nope. That was on that one. So did you ever feel like at the end of your ropes, emotionally, spiritually, um, during a show, after a show? Absolutely. When I was alone, um, that's when I got hit the hardest. That's when things were going after me, and I, I felt overwhelmed. When you were uh, alone, you said? Yeah, when I was alone. Um, when I didn't have another person ministering with me, even in the building. Um, just being in the building helped um, somebody else. And so when we were in Columbus, Ohio, I was all by myself. And that's when I was seeking on I'm pulling on him, going, give me something, give me something. Because it's so heavy there um, that uh, you can get overwhelmed very, very easy. And so I just, you know, it, it happened. I was just getting really overwhelmed and really just kind of freaked out. And, um, and then the last people that were there just broke everything free. There's a, I think yeah, that's a family in Columbus. Yeah, exactly. So when you walk around in, in this environment, you just pray that you get it right. I remember talking to my dad going, I don't know if I got the right people. What if I didn't get the right people? You know, there's a lot of pressure that I was putting on myself and I didn't have to, and that'll be our next point. I didn't have to put the pressure on myself because Jesus is bigger than everything. God is bigger than everything, even my mistakes, even my errors. But the first person that I, that I pulled back, um, invited, was this family of three, a mom and two little kids, literally six and nine, I think, at this corn concert, which is insane to me. But I pull them back. They happen to be the last one that Brian talks to. And Brian's uh, talking to him, encouraging him, just loving on him. Then he says, there's something else that I need to do for you. You guys need to come backstage, backstage with us. So then he takes them back to the buses, and then we start meet, they start meeting all the other rock stars that are there. He takes them on the bus. He's showing them around, giving them the really the red carpet stuff. Then he goes, Matt, you need to walk these people back up front. Awesome. It's prayer time. It's prophesy time, right? That's my, that's my job. So I'm coming out, and I'm giving them set lists and, and blessing them. And we get out, and I say, all right, what's the desire of your heart? What, what do you need prayer for? The mom goes, I could tell there's something going on, but she goes, ah, just generic. It's fine. So I kneel down in front of this little nine-year-old girl. I say, what's the desire of your heart? If God could give you anything right now, what would he give you? She goes, I want a daddy. And I, I, I stinking lost it. And, I, and so I prophesied over him. I prayed for him. And it's, then I was talking to the mom. She goes, yeah, their dad died two years ago. And she was like, he was a great man and blah, blah, blah. The, she goes, and then she goes, just when I get to the end of my rope, 
just when I, I, I think that God's not real and that none of this is real and that we're all alone, she goes, something amazing like this happens. And it happens to my kids. And they get pulled out. They get isolated and, and something, attention drawn to them. And Jesus and God shows them how amazing they are. And I'm renewed with hope. I'm filled back up with hope again at a stinking corn concert. And God uses God you does that. when you're at the end of your rope. I'm at the end of my rope. I got nothing left. And all I can do is just be like, what do you need? Wow. What, can, what can I pray for you at? And then he lifts me up and, he, and it pulls me up because I'm like freaking out. Going, it's almost like it's oh, not about man. you, right? What's that? It's almost like it's not about you. Well, yeah, it's <laughs> not about me at all. It's not about me. And every time you talk to somebody, <clears throat> you hear the hurt that they've been through. You hear those insults. You hear those horrible things that have happened to them, and it breaks your heart, but it breaks Jesus' heart and God's heart even more. And that's why he's there. That's why he's in that place, because he's saying, I'm willing to go anywhere. I followed, he followed me to my darkest place. He'll follow them to their darkest place, and he'll call on them, and he'll seek them out. Well, I think, and when I was talking with you earlier, that's one of the things that helps you have compassion on all of these people, is that you used to be there. Yeah. If it wasn't for God Encounter 10 years ago, I'd be the one in the concert. I may not be the drug addict. I may not be the alcoholic, but I'm going to be the one out there worshiping that band. I'm going to be the one out there that's lost and that needs Jesus. So it's in the exact same place. We, are, we have all, unless we are saved at the first day of our lives and live perfect lives afterwards, we have all been in that place. And because we have all been in that place, and, he, and, he, and it says somewhere that, you know, the, those that have been forgiven a little, you know, are thankful, but those that have been forgiven much, right? Yeah. And when Jesus comes in, and they have all this junk that have been carrying, all the drugs, all the alcohol, all the everything, all the abuse, and God comes in and loves them, the radical nature of that love transforms these people. So lastly, um, the, the point is don't try hard. It sounds kind of funny, but isn't it true? Completely. Like, and there's a story you, you met. You met a guy named Spencer. Yes. Uh, we call him Spencer because I can't remember his name. So show the next picture I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Spencer. So this, this guy in the, in the hair, uh, hands up here. This is, this is in uh, Peoria, Illinois. And this is um, happening while he's given the, the, um, the invitation to receive Christ. And I could show you. I have tons and tons of pictures. But you can see, well, there's the girl in front of him. That's the girl that, and, and the boy that were surrounded by pennies. They get their heads bowed. These other guys that I ran, ran into because of the plaid shirt, this guy. So Spencer, two days before, we're in the mall because we're bored out of our minds, and we had nothing to do. We're sitting at a hotel. So we go to the mall to go shopping, and Brian starts messing with me, right? He's like, pray for this person. Give a word for this person, that type of thing. And we're in Spencer's, and we're engaging this person that works there, the two people that work there. And uh, this guy here starts talking about spirituality. Well, he ends up accepting Christ. You know, I got my hand on him. Brian's got his hand on him. He accepts Christ in Spencer Gifts in the mall. Then he says, man, if I could just have God show me a sign, if I could just have God, you know, like, you know, put a billboard up, you know, Spencer, <laughs> I love you. Something like that, right? So the day of the show, two days later, I'm standing on the edge of this, this platform, and I'm looking down on a thousand people, and I say, all right, God, what, where, where do I find these people? I don't even know where to go. All I hear is go on the floor. Cool. I'm just going to go to the floor. It's easy, right? Mm -hmm. It's simple. I don't have to be like, show me where this exact person is. Go on the floor. I go on the floor. I'm walking across the floor. Who do I run into? Spencer. Spencer. I turn and I go, dude, 
dude. He turns around and he jumps on me and he's freaking out. And I'm like, man, I'm like, you asked for a sign. You asked for a sign. Two days later, I, we didn't know he was going to even be at the show. I run into him at the show in the midst of all these people and he accepts Christ, reaffirms it again. The other people that, were, that he was with that he came, they accepted Christ as well. Because God asked him, he asked God for a sign, said, show me something amazing. What did God do? Two days later at a corn show, I run into him and he's freaking out. He can never, never dispel that. He can never argue with that. Somebody could come up to him from now on, say, God's not real. He goes, no, listen, I got a story to tell you. God is real, and this is what happened to me. He, nobody can argue with him now at that point. I'd like, I'd like to hear one last story and then, um, and then bring it home. There was the story of the, the couple that had ran into somebody at the concert that they had never, that they hadn't right. met in so a long time. So show the next picture here. We'll see if this is it. Yes, so that's Miss Redhead. Okay, so I'm going through my, my stuff at, at, again at Peoria, and I said, and I find this one line. I don't think we had the line up there, but it's literally red hair, black shirt, and I'm sitting, I see it. I look up, and this lady's standing right in front of me. Whoa, that's easy, right? Yeah. So I walk up. Hey, I do my deal, and they get invited back. All right, show the next picture. So... I'm drawing a line here. This is this is the really cool story, and it actually comes back to uh, I think Cheryl had is Cheryl's lady, uh, Cheryl's uh, uh, treasure. So we we Brian does his thing. Uh, uh, people accept Christ. Robbie Dawkins comes up, says you have back pain, right? This big man goes, yeah, I have back pain. He goes, all right, stand up. We're gonna pray for you for two seconds. Fifteen second prayer. How's your back? It's healed, right? It's getting healed right there. All right, show the next picture. Oh no, sorry. So then. That's the big man that prays for the guy with the broken back. The guy with the broken back, then we'll see his testimony here in a second. The guy with the broken back um, then comes up, and I'm talking to them afterwards, and I'm, and I'm explaining them. I'm showing them my text messages saying, this is why you're here. This lady with the dark red hair and the black shirt, he goes, we haven't seen her in nine years. So literally, he goes, and you walked up right as we met her. So nine years ago, they haven't seen this lady. They happen to meet her right in front of me at the moment that I look up, see red hair, black shirt, wonderful, I go up. So nine years ago, they see her. They see her now so that she can come up and get rocked, so that he can get his black back healed. They were, good, heading, they were like, yeah, we're going to the strippers after this and blah, blah, blah. So God rocks him, heals his back so that we can then meet Cheryl's treasure. Cheryl's treasure is his girlfriend. After we take his testimony, I start praying for him, saying, hey, can I just prophesy over? Can I just pray for you guys? Can I bless you guys? Like, yeah. So I start praying about the crow, the movie The Crow, and how she's this crow on this grave, but that's not where God wanted her. God wanted her, and he showed how he has washed her clean and turned her into this beautiful dove, taking her out of the storm. And they're sitting there shaking their heads, yes, yes, yes. And I'm like, all right, what does that mean? I said, does that mean anything to you? They go, yeah, 14 years ago, we gave each other rings that have the line from the movie The Crow on it. So he confirms, I know and I'm God, but I'm bringing you out of the storm. I'm bringing you out of the storm and I'm washing you clean. And she goes, yeah, she goes, I just quit a job. It was really horrible for me. I was really depressed. She goes, I just got a new job that I'm starting next week and I'm so excited. Yes, because God loves you so much that he brought you out of the storm. So nine years ago, they meet. They don't meet again until the show, until I get a text message and I walk up and I see the person so that this big man could get healed, so that this guy could get healed, so that I could come to her and say, Jesus loves you. Wow. Wow. You cannot go through those, those steps mathematically. I mean, it, it's, 
It's crazy how that stuff happens. Bunch of coincidence, right? Yeah, a bunch of coincidences, <laughs> absolutely. So uh, can you play the, the second video there, Bo? And this is the guy's testimony. It's going to be a little weird because, again, it came off my cell phone. But just listen to him. And you get to see Cheryl's treasure. Cool, guys. So this is my buddy, TJ. Hey, guys, so, what do you What do you got to say, TJ? I'm TJ. I was fortunate enough to be here today, chosen. This larger gentleman had back problems as well. They touched him. They healed him. I spoke up. If this is real, can you please help me? He touched me. What's wrong with your back? He prayed for me. I had broken my back in 2008. I have herniated and bulging lumbar 5 through 7. Haven't been able to touch. I, can't, I couldn't go past my knees. Haven't been able to touch my toes in 8 years. Sucks getting out of bed. Today, they touched me. They brought it to me to where I could put my hands all the way up and come down. <laughs> unbelievable. And you haven't done that in eight years. Eight years. I, I can't tie my shoes. I can't. Right. This is where, as far as I could go. Right. At a corn concert. At a corn concert. <laughs> at that. At that. <laughs> unbelievable. Awesome, man. I awesome. appreciate it. Yes. I really appreciate it. That's got to be the understatement of the year, right? I really appreciate it. <laughs> but, I mean, that's, you know, they act kind of out of their head because they don't, they, they have a hard time processing even what's going on in front of them. I just got healed. Holy cow. I, I don't even know how to put sentences together type of a thing. So bring it home. Uh, as, we, as we wrap up here, everyone's going to go back into their own environments. Some people will never end up uh, ministering at a corn concert. Some, and some people are like, thank, thank God, because they don't ever want to minister at a corn concert. Can I interrupt you for a second? Yeah, yeah. Can I tell one more easy story? Uh, yes. Well, we got plenty of time. I, I got three more hours worth of sermon this morning, so I, if you guys just kind of <laughs> hang out, uh, we'll keep going. Or if you want to hear stories afterwards, I'll, you, I'll tell you have those the mic, well. man. All right. Exactly. At least they all know I was trying to wrap up. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Good. So, Good. Um, again, how easy this is. The night before Omaha show, uh, Bo's uh, brother is your brother, right? Bro, Bo's brother draws this picture and sends it to him and says, I was just praying about what you guys are doing, and I'm just going to send it to you. And we saw it at dinner, and I was like, oh, that was kind of cool. So go ahead and show the picture. This is the picture. When we see this picture, we think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We think three young kids. We had multiple words about three, and, and three younger people type of a thing. And that's what it looks like. And so after the show, there's, there's, um, it just happened that a friend texted me and said, hey, can you let these people back to meet Brian? Absolutely. They come back to meet Brian. Brian prays for them. They get kind of rocked. They're coming out. And I said, and I hear that they're police officers. Two of them are police officers and one's the spouse of a police officer. And I say, listen, can I pray protection over you guys? Can we just go real simple? Just you got targets on your back. Can we pray protection? Go, Absolutely. So they gathered around and I wrap my arms around. I'm showing the next picture. So this is me. And there's three people that I'm praying for. The moment I put my hands on them and start praying for protection, the image pops in my brain. Go back to the previous picture. You got three people being wrapped around by the angel. But go back to the next picture. I wasn't looking for three young people. I was looking for three short people. <laughs> 
And, and then I show them the picture. I said, this was drawn the night before because, of, because uh, people were praying for what's happening. The protection that you guys have around you as officers, as, as, as peacekeepers in, in, our, in our communities, God is protecting you. These angels are protecting you. And I'm still getting text messages from uh, the, the lady going, you know, explain the story to me. Show me can, you, can you send me that picture again? Stuff like that. Because it rocked them. It's easy. Wow. This is easy. So wrapping it so all give, up. Give us some encouragement to them because some of these people, were, they're just going to go back to work, back to their family. Maybe, maybe they step out of their comfort zone at Walmart or something like that, but they might not be at a corn concert. How can, how can this all apply to them? Love your neighbor. It's simple. Love. This is not you trying to convert people. This is not you trying to have a Holy Ghost moment in the middle of Walmart. What would happen if you just walked up to somebody and just loved them? And just bless them. Just encourage them at that, at that moment. You have no idea what's, what they're going through. The lead singer for Slipknot, where if you look at them, they wear these masochistic masks, um, really, really dark satanic stuff that they're singing about and stuff. And I met him at the last show and got a picture with him. And he's walking away. I said, hey, man, have a great show. Be blessed. And when I said be blessed, he whipped his head around. And he looked at me and he stopped in his tracks. I was, Thanks turned around and kept walking. All I said was be blessed. And it caused him to stop what he was doing, turn around, and, and it, it hit him. It hit his heart. So what would happen if you're at work and somebody's just raging on you or raging that morning? You're like, man, you know, just be blessed today. You know, and just encourage them. Just love on them. That's your first step. Love well, Right? Then you look for gold. You're not looking for what's happening and, and how they're presenting to you. You're looking for that gold. So if you want to minister to them, then you're asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, show me their gold. Show me something about them. Tell me something. Or give me, like Bo, so much extraordinary love that all I see is your love just washing over them and washing over me. And I will act and I will do anything. Love well. Look for the gold. And then just Relax. This is not hard. If we can do it at a corn concert and God shows up huge, imagine what he'll do in your daily life. Wow. Imagine when you're fighting with your spouse or something like that and you simply choose to love. Instead of responding to what's going on, you choose to love. So as we get ready for, uh, I mean, a shameless plug, we get ready for our uh, Fall Fest outreach next weekend. Um, Some of the people at this church decided to show up. How, How would you... How would you recommend them coming and ministering? Number one, show up. <laughs> right? Just be here. Number two, before you show up, get together with a person or two and just ask for God's treasures. Who are their treasures tonight? The night that you show up, the, the hours that you're there, who's going to be there? Don't do it by yourself. Do it with somebody else because then you both get to rejoice in what's going on. The reason that we didn't do it with me, the reason I didn't go out and say, all right, God, show me every single person that I need to go get was because we thought, man, this is going to be really cool. What if people that weren't even involved in the show got the words and I just got to go find them? How awesome of a testimony would that be to bring it back to them, right? So if you do it by yourself and you get a list, share it with other people. These are my treasures that I'm looking for tonight. You don't even have to know anything about them. You're just looking for the treasure, Right? You find a jewel, you don't care what it is. You just found a jewel. Right? You just found treasure. Yeah. And so then when you show up, you look for your treasures. And if you don't find treasures, that's fine. The person standing right in front of you is a treasure. 
the fact that they came here, and you just love on them. Man, where are you from? You know, I'm so glad that you guys came tonight. Is there anything that I can do for you? Serve them. Give to them. Give of yourself. Love them. That's what Jesus would do. If he was standing here, he would say, man, I'm so glad you came. What can I do for you? How can I love you? I love you so much. You are, and he would just explain to them what they are and who they are to them. Thank you so much for sharing um, everything that you've uh, been accomplishing over the last few weeks, and just really appreciate this. Isn't this, wasn't this a good time just to hear from Matt? Yeah. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. And uh, Pastor Kelly and, uh, and your team, would you come? And let's, everybody, let's just stand. Yeah. We're going to. We're going to uh, sing a song, but we're also going to, we're going to minister. Some of you, you know, the, the crossing the chicken line, you, know, you can, I bet that there's at least one person in your life at work or in your family um, that the Lord's just tugging on your heart that you need to minister to. And, and yet it's just like your heart's racing and you're like, I don't know if I can do that. And we want to pray for just a Holy Spirit boldness to come over. We want to pray that there would be um, uh, just a supernatural transaction of love, that God would increase your capacity to love well. And, uh, and Matt's going to be praying. I'll be up here praying, and, and we may have a few others. And, um, and some of you, the Lord wants to use you to step way outside of your comfort zone and walk into a Walmart or the, or the mall or, or say, hey, when's the next corn concert or whatever? And, uh, and you want prayer, too, that God would just take you to another level there. Um, and so even as we're worshiping here, we're going to stand up here. If you want to come up and get some prayer, and thank you for being here.